we're in the middle of a collection of talks entitled Sam Sum, Sam Sum, the summer in First and Second Samuel. And man, we're just cruising along. And man, I hope you've been enjoying this collection of talks. It's been super fun. But get your Bibles out. I'm going to jump right into it. First Samuel chapter 20. Last week we're chapter 19. So we're doing the best we can. But if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available for you in the size that you can totally just grab and take for, uh, totally for free. Also, you can get your uh, uh, version app out, the uh, iPhone. And I guess they do it for Samsung's and Galaxies too because we got to go the highways and byways. And so it's First Samuel chapter 20. I encourage you to take notes. And we're going to have some fun today. Also, uh, 68 will be taking place at the 11 a.m. service during the 11 a.m. 6, 7, and 8 graders. And so if they're like, I ain't going to church and you're here now, go home and get their butt and grab them here and take them to church uh, because they just don't have a choice. And so 1 Samuel chapter 20, and this is what it says. Now David, he fled from Naoth in Ramah and he found Jonathan. And we learned about this last week. All about the story of David's great escape. And he found Jonathan. He goes, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I offended your father, King Saul? How have I offended your father, King Saul, that he's so determined to kill me? And he goes on to say this, that's not true, Jonathan protested. How I many know that's a good man right there, huh? That's not true. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do. Even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. So then David took an oath before him. And before Jonathan, he said, your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan, why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear to it by the Lord and by your own soul. And Jonathan says, tell me what I can do to help you. David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion. But tomorrow I'm going to hide the field, stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I'm going, tell him I ask for permission to go home to be with my family. Then if he says, fine, you'll know all is well. If he says, fine, you know everything is good. But if he is angry and he loses his temper, you'll know he is determined to kill me. Then he says this, show me this loyalty. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend. For we made a Solomon pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father. But please don't betray me to him. Jonathan says, never! Jonathan exclaimed, you know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. I encourage you today, if you got little ones, uh, you can feel free to br bring them to Avenue Kids in just a moment. 68, next service will be in their own, uh, own service as well. But let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. I thank you for your, your holy scriptures, your Bible. Father, I thank you. It's living, it's active, it's powerful. So Father, we ask you to give us information today that will lead us to transformation that will totally change not just our lives, but all those that know us. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody he said amen um man what just just a few weeks ago in the middle of the night Lindsay woke me up because she has good ears if you're first time with us today i'm deaf in this year and i'm hard of hearing in this year and so she woke me up and she said someone's downstairs and i went huh and she went someone is downstairs and I went, oh, put my hearing aid in. And I said, let's go. I grabbed a weapon of choice. 
and I went downstairs. Weapon of choice, I have a bat. I took my bat this time, all right? And it's like, weapon of choice, and I went downstairs, and, and I went into the kitchen. I was like, who's there? You know, I will, she, she'll beat you up now. <laughs> and we looked around the house, and all of a sudden there was a candle that was on our center island that was on the, on the kitchen floor. So I went on the cameras, checked all of our cameras, checked the security system, checked all the doors, and went, huh. But then, have you ever had a moment of just a memory, a memory pops in your head? Well, the day before, Levi and I had just returned from a man trip from Alabama. And when you come home from a man trip, you do not come home empty-handed. And so we brought my wife some gifts, as well as banana bread. Alabama, banana bread from, from Bucky's in Alabama. And, and uh, Auburn, Alabama, and bought her this banana bread. She was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Taste and see the Lord is good. Do you want to get her a good sight? Banana bread, you know. And so uh, she, she ate a slice, and then she wrapped it up, put the little thing on, and we left. We went on an errand, and when we came back home, the banana bread was completely gone on the center island. And so we were going, what is that? Where did the banana bread go? And we saw a chair was moved, and then we saw the dog just going, what's up? <laughs> You know, the dog is supposed to be man's best friend or loyal. And so we were, so in the middle of the night, I went, did, did she, and next to the candle in the middle of the night was an empty pizza box, because we had pizza that evening. So the next day, we got a donut from a place, and I sealed it really good. I put it on the center island. How many know what I'm talking about? Because I got to know. You got to know that you got to know, you know? Like, and so I put a donut in there, and I sealed it up, and then we went on an errand. And as I'm driving down the road, I popped on my camera. I have a living room camera. Popped on the camera, and sure enough, my dog has passed. She is failing the loyalty test. <laughs> and I watched my cute little dog use her snout to move a chair. She used her snout to move a chair, hops on the chair, hops on the island, goes to the donut, can't break into it, and then proceeds to go just kind of mosey around the entire island. So hear me out. If you love animals, God bless you. But when we came home, we disinfected the center island, all right? But my dog, and then we took all the chairs away, and, and what happened next is none of your business. But my dog failed the loyalty test. You know how many times sometimes we put a test in place to just kind of test people's loyalty? How many I'm talking about? Sometimes we might check things out. And, and so the title of my message today is the loyalty test. Is the loyalty test. And I want to talk about the purpose of a loyalty test. I'm not talking about today about <laughs> testing your loyalty of your marriage. I'm not talking about testing the loyalty of, a, of your uh, significant other boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm not, I'm not talking about testing someone's loyalty. But what I'm talking about today is when situations come to your table, when situations come to your plate, the loyalty test begins to take place based upon what you decide to do next. What you decide to do when circumstances or situations come our way. Now, loyalty is determined as, loyalty is our, is our devotion to certain people. Places and ideas are unwavering support through the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. The ugly of life. Now, there's a biblical definition. So this is, this is kind of the, the, the Webster's definition. But there's a biblical definition for loyalty, and it simply means love and faithfulness. Love 
and faithfulness. So anywhere in the Bible, if you see faithfulness, talk about loyalty. In the Bible, it talks about love. It's loyalty as well, depending on the, uh, you know, the original word for love. So this was kind of the man that Jonathan was. Have you ever met a, a person who is just, you just know they're loyal. You just, you just know they're committed. I mean, I'm talking about like, maybe you got a friend here today. Maybe you can raise your hand. You can say, yeah, I got a committed, loyal friend. Uh, man, I just, there's someone in your life that you just really admire. Like this is the person in your life that they were in a hostage negotiation. If they were like kidnapped and being tortured for information, you know they ain't going to say anything. I had a good friend right there, you know, like a loyal friend that you could totally trust. I mean, this can be in a small group. This could be in this church. This could be someone uh, who's close to you and maybe they're, they're far from God. I don't know. But Jonathan was a loyal friend. The Bible in Proverbs chapter 3, it says this in Proverbs chapter 3, never let loyalty and kindness leave you, but tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. I want you to catch this. Tie them around your neck. Write them deep in your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. Loyalty is contagious, my friends, and you will earn a good reputation. I want you to know in the Bible, David, he goes to Jonathan and he says, what's going on? Your dad wants to kill me. Man, what's going on? This is, this is, I trust you, Jonathan. Think about it. He's, God has dubbed, God has anointed David as the next king of Israel, which really belongs to Jonathan, because Jonathan is the heir of King Saul. But still, David goes to Jonathan because the element of loyalty, there's the element of trust. So I want to go right back into 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're in 20. We're going to go from 19 to 18. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, this is where David defeats the giant, kills Goliath, meets with Saul. Saul says, this is incredible. You just destroyed the Philistine army. And then David, 1 Samuel 18, after he had finished talking with Saul, just killed the giant. He met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. For Jonathan loved David. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, the same one David just made just earlier in, in chapter 20, because he loved him as he had loved himself. He had loved him as he had loved himself. Now, Lorenzo touched on this just a few weeks ago, but these, both of these, uh, three, these three love words come from the original meaning of, of, in the Hebrew is Ahab, Ahab. And so Ahab simply means a verb that means to be deeply committed. It's a love that is deeply committed that is accompanied by action. So this is a deeply committed love. This is not, this is not lust. This is not physical but this is more spiritual. We see this same word in Matthew chapter 22, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Proverbs says in verse 18, it says, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, I want you to know, if you do any, let's say you're interested in, in the story of David and Jonathan, and uh, you go to Google search. If you type in a Google search, you begin to see culture's definition of this kind of relationship. 
And I love God's word, and in God's word, I want to teach you the entire word. Because if I don't teach you the entire word, you can go search on Google, you go on TikTok, and you might get the wrong or incorrect definition of God's word, of God's word, of God's word. And so this is what it says. He sticks closer than a brother. I want you to know, between Jonathan and David, this is not a sexual relationship, but it's a godly covenant between two heterosexual men. This is not a sexual relationship, but it's a godly covenant between two heterosexual men. We're having church today, amen? And here's what really, the, really the context, we don't just take this and go, that, this is what they are. No, I want you to know that Jonathan, this is so powerful, Jonathan and David had common obedience, and that gave them a common friendship. They had a common obedience, and that gave them a common friendship. And here's the thing. Anytime we read the story of David and Jonathan, if you Google it, if you go on TikTok, if you find out the, uh, incorrect translations of their relationship, you begin to really realize that culture cannot comprehend the love of God and biblical loyalty. There is no way Jonathan was loyal to David. So therefore, it must have been much more. And how many know that's not true? It is the never-ending, reckless love of Jesus living inside of Jonathan. Living inside of David. And I want you to know, the same way culture can't comprehend how we love people, how culture can't even comprehend, just like at one moment in our lives when we were sinners saved by grace, we can't comprehend how Jesus could love a person like us, like me. Just the same way that culture can't comprehend love, they can't comprehend how we can forgive somebody. You know, I, was, I used to pastor in the east side of town, and uh, what's up, you know? And uh, one of my students was in the back of a Cadillac, driving off of uh, the driver, made some 14-year-olds on bicycles upset. And as they drove off, the 14-year-olds pulled out handguns and began to shoot at the back of the car. Thankfully, no one was, was killed, but one of the bullets ricocheted and hit Savon, my former student, in his spine. He went, oh, I think I'm hit. Pulls into the church parking lot. We get him immediately to the paramedics, to the ambulance. He goes to the hospital. We all run down there. We're praying. And the doctor said, we cannot remove the bullet uh, because we're afraid it might paralyze. You might be paralyzed from the neck down. So we're going to leave the bullet lodged in your spine and you could be paralyzed from the waist down. And Savon, the news came, Channel 3 was there, and they interviewed him that evening. And they said, if you could talk to your shooter right now, what would you tell him? And Savon says, I forgive you. A couple weeks later, he's in a wheelchair. He goes to court. I'm sitting there. And in court, they arrested the young man who shot him. He was arrested. They pull him into court. Savon looks at him on the witness stand. And Savon says, I forgive you. Culture cannot comprehend the never-ending, reckless love of Jesus. See, Jonathan wasn't loyal to David. Jonathan was loyal to Jesus. Jonathan was loyal to God. I want you to know, loyalty is a commitment to God's truth. Loyalty is a commitment to God's truth. First Corinthians chapter 13, it says, We pray to God that you will, do, that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. 
And so here's Paul running to the entire church in Corinth. He says, I hope we don't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive, do the right thing when we come, even if that makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority. Do the right thing. For we cannot oppose the truth, but, but must, we must always stand for the truth. This is in a moment in our Christian walk where we have to decide what we believe is to be true and what we believe is to be not true. There's a moment in our Christian walk where we have to say, this is what I stand upon this rock. This is my foundation. This is what I believe. Because there will be a loyalty test that takes place the moment you go back to work. There will be a loyalty test the moment that takes place when you go back to school. There will be a loyalty test the moment you log online or go to social media. There will be loyalty tests that take place in our everyday walking around a living life. This is what it says. Loyalty refuses to compromise the truth by accepting, adapting, or lowering the standard of God's truth. Loyalty refuses to compromise. Now, this doesn't mean when we refuse to, I, I refuse to compromise. I refuse to change or adapt so that I still win at the end. No, God's word wins at the end. I'm preaching good today. Come on, somebody. But also, this doesn't mean that we're, we become jerks. It doesn't mean we're mean Christians. You know what I mean? It's like, after me in my house. You're like, well, I don't even want to go to your house. I think it hurt me. Peter says this in Matthew. I love this. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on the earth. Now, can I tell you as a pastor, I've been doing this 21 years. I've read the scripture and said, woo, what does Jesus mean? Like, does he mean that I can, like, go just wreak, you know, like, wreak havoc? This is what Jesus sings. Don't imagine I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Now, of course, people probably were getting really excited when they heard the words of Jesus because they were expecting the Savior to be a political leader, a warrior, someone to go and just kill and murder and pillage or, or go into you know, Congress or whatever it is in their time and, and really stand against the Romans. But Jesus said, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. So what is he, what's he talking about? Well, let's put the context of loyalty on. And as we're talking about loyalty, this is what Jesus begins to, he continues to say, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If, if, you, if you love your son or your daughter more than me, then you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Now remember, this is a loving Savior. This is a loving God. It's just like the same way when we read that the tormenting spirit, that the Lord sent the tormenting spirit to Saul. It's the same way that we learn that God didn't send it, but God removed his blessing because Saul rejected God, and therefore God sent the tormenting spirit. If you've been in the Samson series, and so the same thing here too. If we're not loyal to God, God, according to his word, which he cannot change, he has to take a step back and go, I have to deny you if you deny me. Because here's what happens when we deny Christ or, or, or we grab something that's not of God. We call it false loyalty. False loyalty is devotion to people or things that are not God. A lot of times this can be kind of where it gets tricky. We can be like, I'm so loyal to fill in the blank. And maybe God's in heaven going, that's not right. It has to, I, you have to be loyal to me first. Same way that Jonathan 
the same way Jonathan could only be loyal to David because he was first loyal to God. So there's a lot of false loyalties that begin to take place. Maybe there's false loyalty of, of, of maybe your own, our own personal comfort. I've seen loyalty to the job where individuals will say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be at this job. I got to go to this job. My job wants me to work on this day, I, I, whatever it is. But the moment, I'm not saying, uh, you know, be a terrible employee. That's not what I'm saying. But the moment we depend more, the moment we, we, we rely on or lean on a career or money instead of first relying on the comforter, the Holy Spirit, on Jesus, the moment we begin to have a little bit false loyalty. Because my loyalty to God helps me to be a better employee. My loyalty to Jesus says, I hate this job. I'm going to quit. This is above my pay grade. But my loyalty to God's word and to God's truth says, you know what? If someone asks me to go one mile, I'm going to go two miles. I'm going to be the best employee at that place because I am loyal to Jesus. I'm loyal to Jesus. For some of us, man, it could be our friends. That we have some friends and, and maybe they're toxic friends or maybe they're, they're friends that you say, Pastor, I'm the only bridge between them and Jesus. And I love that. We cannot have just Christian cliques or just Christian circles. We have to go there for and preach the gospel and begin to reach everyone. Okay? We can't just be so exclusive. We're inclusively, we're in, we are always, in, we're, in, we're, in, we're inviting, we're inclusive inviters at this church. But there comes a moment where we have to say, am I more loyal to my friend than I am to God? Do I, do I depend more on my friend than I do on Jesus? There could be some false loyalties there. There could also be some false loyalties to family. To family. This is where Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace to your family. I've come to bring a sword. Because they're, they're, your false loyalty to family very well might keep you from knowing God more and more. Or your loyalty to family, whatever the context looks like for you, whether it's manipulation, whether it's toxic, whether it's unhealthy, whatever it is, you know your context. That we have to say, you know what, I'm a better son or daughter, I'm a better husband or wife when I'm first loyal to God so that I could be loyal to them, but my loyalties have to first start with Jesus. But those that say, yep, we clap. I'm teaching today, I should sit, huh? I should sit and teach today, huh? But, but I'm being careful, aren't I, right? Like, don't touch my family, I'm going to, you know? Because the moment you say they're more important, church will come later. It's false loyalty. My son has a basketball tournament today. Yes, he's injured, but I still told coach a week ago, we don't play on Sundays. And you and my coach, uh, Levi's coach, he didn't go, how dare you? He's a great player. Da -da. My coach actually went, come here. I went, yeah, coach? I'm about to air your laundry, coach. And he goes, come here. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, what's up? I was like, I was ready. I was like, I'm loyal to Jesus, freedom. You know what I mean? Like, and the coach goes, come here, come here. He goes, um. And I mean, he's, I don't believe, I don't, know if, I don't know where his stance is with Jesus. But he goes, I'm actually a pastor's kid. My dad was, was a minister. So I get it. I get you. And I was like, thanks, coach. Now, I've had other coaches that went something else. They've said other things. They're not in the Bible, strangely enough. 
And I still said, that's for me and my house. We go to church on Sundays. It's for me and my house. We serve the Lord. I don't do that to shame anybody. But man, I got to keep the main thing, the main thing. So there's false loyalties that take place. Jonathan had, Jonathan was also loyal to his father. Jonathan was loyal to both David and to Saul. And so here's Jonathan. Jonathan replied, he's at the, um, so he goes to the festival. David's hiding out in the, in, the, in the woods. And Jonathan goes to David and says, uh, Dad, David earnestly asked me if he can go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go. My family is there, so please let me go. And he goes, that's why he's not here today. Because uh, David was, was, was King Saul's top, top man, top warrior, top, top sergeant. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. And this is where God's word is living, it's active, it's powerful. And this is what he says. You stupid son of a whore. He swore at him. Do you not, where do people, I I don't, I'm going to keep going. God's word is boring. Man, read the Old Testament, I promise you. I promise you. Judges gets a little weird, all right. So do you not think. And I want you to check this. Here's a little bit of toxic loyalty here. Here's a little bit of, 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 of whatever, you know, uh, false loyalty. Saul goes, do you not, do, do you think I don't know that you want him to be king, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as, here's manipulation. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, I don't even want to say his name. As long as David is alive, you'll never be king. Now I'll go and get him and I'll kill him so that you're king. So I'm about to go do a good thing, John. I'm gonna go kill him because I'm loyal to you. How many know that was incorrect? And so then he says this, but why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. So then he goes out into the fields, brings a servant, says, shoot the bow and arrow as far as you can. That was a sign for David to run. So David and Jonathan, they meet. David makes a pact with him, and then David takes off. Here's what I want you to see, what we can learn from Jonathan. That Jonathan was loyal until it contradicted what God wanted. He was loyal until it contradicted what God wanted. And so maybe there's a gray area for you with the family, or maybe a gray area for you with friends, or maybe a gray area for you with what your boss is asking for you to do at work. This is going to be really relevant in just a second. But man, maybe you're going, what do I do? I do? do I, what, what, what test has come before me? Then you have to look into God's word. You have to see what God's word says. And how many know God's word has an answer for many things in this life? And for you to say, I am loyal, I am first loyal to Jesus, and I am loyal to my employer, my family, my friends. I am a loyal, committed, faithful, loving person until you ask me to contradict the word of God. Until you ask me to do something that's contrary to my first loyalty. Until you ask me to do something that's contrary to my first love, and that is Jesus. Second Timothy chapter 2, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. That if we die with him, we will also live with him. This, you know, uh, I've been crucified with my sins. Uh, Jesus, I repent of my sin, live in my heart. That if we die with him, we will live with Jesus. This is die here on this earth, God resurrects us into new life on this earth. Same thing, when we die on this planet, we will resurrect and go to heaven. 
If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. When we, are, when we have false loyalties, when we screw up, when we mess up, he's still faithful. He's still good, for he cannot deny who he is. Friends, this morning, man, we are loyal, aren't we? We are faithful and we are loving. That's how we're going to reach our city. That's how we're going to reach our family. Man, that's how we're going to know the difference between what is God and what is not God. That's how we're going to know how to make a stand when loyalty tests come our way. Because what we are loyal because Jesus is loyal. We are loyal because Jesus is loyal. We are loyal because Jesus is loyal. We are faithful because Jesus is faithful. And friends, we are loving because our God loved us. And while still sinners, he died on a cross for us. Now, I kind of want to take a step back. And maybe, uh, maybe you've kind of looked out on, on culture, on news, social media, TikTok, Instagram. My boomers are on Facebook now. Come on, somebody, right? And... Um, and maybe you might ask this, do we have a lack of loyalty today? Because we see it time and time again in, in our workplaces, family, friends. Let your word, but let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Man, we can go on a whole rant. I can preach another sermon on this, right? The stinking generation right now. But you know what I believe with all my heart? That we don't have a loyalty problem. We have a lack of meaning problem. We have a loyalty problem. We have a lack of meaning problem. There's an Australian uh, psychiatrist, but he was also a Holocaust survivor. Is Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. If I said his name wrong, I apologize. But Victor Emil Frankl. And, uh, and, and this guy's fascinating. He's an Australian psychiatrist, and he's a Holocaust survivor. And so he, he survived the Holocaust. He's in the concentration camps. And... And as he got out, he began to get interviewed and wrote books on this, on his experience. And, uh, and forgive me if I butcher his entire story, but I really love what he said. They said, man, he, he began to realize uh, of individuals that survived the Holocaust and those that didn't. And this is what he said. He said, those that survived, they weren't the most strong. They weren't the strongest, but it was the ones that were able to find meeting for their quest for survival. It was the ones that said, man, I got people out there that are depending on me. Or maybe there's those that are in there that said, man, I believe God has a plan for my life and this is certainly not it, but when I get out of here, he's gonna continue to use me for his praise and his glory. How many believe that, amen? And so he began to dub a, a kind of a phrase that says, whoever has a strong why can endure anyhow. Whoever has a strong why can endure anyhow. And he, he equates this to loyalty. If you have a strong why, why do you do what you do? Then you'll be able to realize how you can get through the how. How am I going to get through this? How is this happening to me? How, how, how am I going to make the decision? If you have a strong enough why, then you can endure anyhow. 
Maybe here today, and I'm just gonna use one example. Maybe here today, and you're saying, how can you stay so positive in this trial? I spoke to a good friend, he's watching online. He's going through just physical changes, and man, I'm always like, how, how can you stay so positive? Because his why is much stronger than his how. Because here's his why. Here's his why. I've told you all this, that you may have peace with me. Here on earth, you have many trials and sorrow, but take heart. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Friends, when we turn to God's word, we say, that is my why. This is how I can do it. Because God is faithful. I am faithful, and I am loyal, and I am committed, and culture doesn't understand it. But I am all those things because our God is faithful. And even when we're unfaithful, God is so faithful. Yet a lot of times as parents, we're trying to raise our little ones and Man, we're trying to do the right thing. And, and a lot of times I, I feel like, I feel like as a pastor, you kind of go, okay, well, you're, you're the pastor. You just, you just want people to come hear you every week. And that's why you want me here every, every Sunday. No, friends. There's going to be different communicators in this pulpit. There's going to be different individuals on this worship team. I want you to understand the moment you say, hey, guys, we're the Bosmas. And this is what we do as Bosmas. We go to church on Sundays. But it's, it's so much beyond that. Because a generation grew up to see individuals go to church and then act, act, act totally different outside of church. Man, we don't just go to church on Sundays. We, 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 we pray together. Man, we, we worship together. We, we, we try to read our Bible together. Right? Because that's what we do. We're loyal to Jesus. We tell coaches we can't play on Sundays. Now, starting in August, I get to tell coaches, we don't play on Wednesday nights. Because he goes to church. I remember when I was in high school, I told my football coach, I said, coach, can, can, I, need, I need to go to uh, church. So I need to leave practice early. Is that okay? And he was like, what time? I was like, I don't know, 5.30 or something. And I remember we were able to practice. At the end of practice, we're about to go into another drill. And we're all taking a knee and coach is giving us a speech. And he stops in his middle of his speech. He goes, Basma, don't you got to go? And I was like, uh, yeah, coach. You got to go to church, right? I was like, yeah, coach. <laughs> he said, you can go. And then he said, I've said this before, that he said, if anyone else that doesn't want to go to hell, you can go with him too. <laughs> I was like, come on, anyone? Yeah. But I want to encourage you. It's going to be a battle. And it's going to be a loyalty test. But as you say, it's for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Maybe you're in this house and you're saying, man, I, I'm looking for someone. Man, I want to get married. But they're just, oh, my goodness. It's a, man, stay loyal. Stay loyal to Jesus. Parents, stay loyal to Jesus. Stay loyal to Jesus. Loyalty is contagious. But I want you to know when the why is good enough, the how is just a matter of time. The how is just a matter of time. Why are you so loyal? Because my God is loyal. And my God is faithful. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand with me, please? And I want to read one more scripture as we close today. I want you to hear this today. 2 Timothy 
chapter 3. Just a little quieter on the band for just a moment. And here's Paul. And Paul's mentoring Timothy. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, Timothy, you should know this. In the last days, there will be difficult times. It will get tough in the last days. For people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Man, this is a great loyalty test of our time. It's for us to still be loving, but to continue to be loyal to Jesus, to continue to be faithful to Jesus. Then he says this, they, they, they will be unloving and they will be unforgiving. They will slander others and they will have no self-control and they will be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Why? Because they lost their why. And when you lose your why, you're going to lose your way. And then he says this, but Timothy, but Timothy certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is and what my meaning of life is. You know my faith. You know my patience. You know my love. I'm not double-minded. You know I'm not over here and then I'm over here. I'm loyal to Jesus Christ. And he says, you know my endurance, but you must remain faithful. Another translation says you must remain loyal. You must remain loyal to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. A couple verses later, then Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do everything good work. Friends, this is why we got to know our word. This is why for some of us, for some of us, that we have learned things from others that are totally untrue. We might have to deconstruct that. But man, I want you to know, I want you to start new construction with God's word. I want to just do two things real quick this morning. I want to first encourage those, um, but praying this week and say, Lord, I'm doing a loyalty message. Like this is fun. But I really felt by, just, this is just by the Holy Spirit, that there are individuals in this service and as well as 11 a.m., that there are individuals here that you feel like your loyalty is under attack. Your faith in God is under attack. Um, you're just feeling discouraged. You feel like you were swimming at sea and it was all was well. I'm a C-H. I'm a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. You know, like, God is good. Never-ending, reckless love of God. And then all of a sudden, culture just grabs you. And you feel an attack on your life. Attacking your loyalty to Him. If that's you, I want to pray with you today. I want to encourage you today. Do we just raise a hand if that's you? And just say, that's me. Yeah, I see it. Anyone else? Anyone else? I just want to pray with you. Keep a hand up for me just for just a moment. 
there anyone else? <laughs> anyone else? I want to pray with you today. If you're your hand's not raised, I just want you to put a hand if you can touch them or just extend a hand out. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, thank you. Your word is living, is active, is powerful. And Father, I thank you that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in heaven. And they're cheering us on. And Father, I thank you that usually, usually the anointing attracts attacks. That usually when we're standing up for God, all hell breaks loose. The enemy gets upset. And so, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for every hand that is raised today, the Holy Spirit encourage them. Holy Spirit, fill them. Holy Spirit, equip them for today. Holy Spirit, we place the armor of God upon them. Helmet of salvation, blessed faith of righteousness, shoes of, shoes of peace, belt of truth, the sword of faith, and the word of God. Now, Father, I pray today, may they not waver, may they continue to have the endurance. But God, even with their hand raised today, remind them of the why. Holy Spirit, I ask you, and, and, and Holy Spirit, I ask you, in the pursuit, in the pursuit of being faithful to you, Father, I pray for those relationships. I pray for the, the toxic relationships. I pray there's particular relationships that are manipulating you. And Father, I pray, cut it off at the head. And God, I pray, restore that relationship. May they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May they begin to know how good you are. May they begin to see why they stand for what they stand for. So Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray they walk out of here stronger than when they walked in here, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, a lot of times that scripture verse when we see, um, if we deny him, he denies us. But I'm so glad at the very end of that scripture, it says when we're unfaithful to him, he's still faithful to us. He's still faithful to us. And so I just want to pray a prayer real quick today to say, Lord, and can I tell you, um, it's okay. It's okay. That's all I got to say. It's okay. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It is okay. But man, maybe we have loyalty like Jonathan did. Maybe we have loyalty like David did. David had a moment to kill Saul in the tent, kill Saul in the, in the cave. He said, that's God's anointed. I can't touch him. It belongs to the Lord. But if you're here today, you're saying, I need to, I, man, I want to recommit my relationship to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And man, I want to, when we give our life to Jesus, he fills us in our heart, but he gives you a why. He gives you a reason. And he gives you meaning. He gives you purpose in your life. So dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray today, and may we have a, such a love for people that culture goes, what is this? May we find it in our hearts to forgive people. But most importantly, Lord, help us to forgive ourselves. That while we are still sinners, while we're still living in darkness, you died on a cross, 
for us. He died on a cross for you today. And the Bible simply says if we confess with our mouth and we believe he is Lord of our life and we give him our life and we crucify our sins that we will be resurrected with him today, at this moment. And God's going to give us meaning and purpose. He's going to reveal his plan that he has all along. There's no such thing as dead ends with God, just detours. And he's really good at it. He's good at directions. So Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you to be Lord of my life. The best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Because I know your word is, is true. And I know you are faithful. You're faithful to forgive. You're faithful to love me. And you're faithful. So I will serve you on out all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on.